This morning, before the reading of Scripture, we will hear the instruction from the Heidelberg Catechism. Let us read this responsively. What is God's will for you in the sixth commandment? I am not to belittle, insult, hate, or kill my neighbor, not by my thoughts, my words, my book, or gesture, certainly not by actual deeds, and I am not to be party to this in others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge, and I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. note the scriptural citations uh, undergirding the teaching of the catechism. Let us ask the Lord's blessing for the reading of His Word. Father, we thank You that You are our gracious and merciful Father through Your Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray in His name that You will send forth Your Holy Spirit to open our ears and open our hearts and give spiritual illumination to our minds uh, that we might receive your word and embrace it with thanksgiving. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would work in us such to give us a desire more and more to walk in your ways and keep your commandments as disciples of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. The reading of Holy Scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. This is the Word of God. It is written, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. To his name be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Last Sunday, Pastor Jonathan preached the foundational sermon for our understanding of the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. He did that by taking us back to the beginning. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man, humankind, in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. 
the foundation of the sixth commandment is the sanctity of human life. Humans, distinct from all other creatures, are created in the image of God. As Pastor Jonathan made clear, God created humankind, male and female, to be His image bearers, His visible representatives upon the earth. Pastor Jonathan's vivid illustration was that God created human beings to be living, breathing, walking, talking statues of Himself, visibly signifying, pointing to, revealing the presence of the invisible Creator in His rule and reign upon the earth. Now that's what makes human life special, unique, distinct, in a word, sacred. That's what we mean by the sanctity of human life. And therefore, again, as Pastor Jonathan powerfully pointed out last Sunday, an unjust assault upon human life is an assault upon the Creator Himself. And even now, even though it is true that Adam sinned against God and plunged all of his descendants, all humanity, with the exception of Jesus, and all of creation into a fallen, corrupted condition, even though now the image of God in humanity is marred and scarred and defaced, even though now you and I are not the glorious creatures which Adam and Eve were before the fall. Nevertheless, even now in our fallen condition, every human still bears the image of God, the stamp of God's image, though marred and scarred, still remains upon every human born into this world. And therefore God has commanded, you shall not murder. God gave the sixth commandment to protect and to uphold the sanctity of human life. And that underscores an important principle which applies to all the commandments. And, and you'll hear this again and again as we work our way through the second tablet. God is good. And all of God's commandments are good. And all of God's commandments are for our good. And, for, and all of God's commandments are for the protection and the promotion of good things in this world for His glory. You see, I've said this before, I'm repeating it, I know. The Ten Commandments are not simply arbitrary rules, like rules of a game that we're not supposed to break. No. The Ten Commandments reflect the very character of the eternal Creator. They reveal the, the moral being, the moral values of the Holy One. They reveal the standard of conformity to His righteousness. 
They reveal to us, therefore, what it means to be truly human, created in His image, after His likeness, as moral, spiritual, and rational creatures. Put it simply, the Ten Commandments teach us and show us what it means to be godly, like God. The Ten Commandments show us, teach us what it means to be like Jesus. There's no contradiction between the moral law of God and Jesus, full of grace and truth. His life was perfectly conformed to the law of God. And so to grow in Christ-likeness by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit within us is to grow in conformity to the law of God, not, not only with regard to the letter of the law, but also the spirit of the law. And as with each of the commandments, the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, has to do not only with the letter of the law, literal physical homicide, but also the spirit of the law. Now, with regard to the letter of the law, there is need, perhaps, for some clarification. It refers to the unjust taking of human life. The King James Version translates it, Thou shalt not kill. And that's, that's, that's probably, I, I, perhaps, still the most uh, common way of expressing it, you know, in, in the general population. But that word kill from the King James, is broad, it's generic, it's given rise to some confusion about the Sixth Commandment. Because the Hebrew word, which is more correctly translated murder, denotes the unjust taking of human life, or the shedding of innocent blood. That wording, that phraseology, the shedding of innocent blood, uh, it's found in Deuteronomy, 2 Kings, multiple times in the prophet Jeremiah. And in Proverbs 6, 17, the Scripture says, The Lord hates hands that shed innocent blood. The Sixth Commandment forbids the shedding of innocent blood. So, the Sixth Commandment, does not absolutely prohibit, uh, prohibit lethal uh, force in warfare, at least insofar as that war is just and the warfare is carried out in as just a means as possible. Now, that's a big subject, and I can't cover it today, but the point today is that the Sixth Commandment does not require Christians to be pacifists, does not prohibit Christians from serving in the military and taking up arms in a just cause. And for individual private citizens, the Sixth Commandment does not prohibit the use of lethal force if truly necessary for the sake of self-defense or the defense of our neighbor. Likewise, the Sixth Commandment, in principle, does not absolutely prohibit capital punishment 
justly administered by an established government. Last Sunday, Pastor Jonathan pointed out that God himself instituted capital punishment for capital crimes for the sake of upholding the sanctity of human life. After the great flood, God decreed, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made man. And that principle is reaffirmed in the New Testament in the letter to the Romans, chapter 13, which says that the governing authority, quote, does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Now, of course, in our legal system today, there are valid concerns about true justice being equally and rightly administered in capital cases. Those concerns are valid and legitimate concerns. But the point, the big idea today, is that the Sixth Commandment in principle does not prohibit capital punishment, and there's nothing in the New Testament which prohibits it. It does, however, prohibit vigilante justice, that is, a private individual taking justice in his own hands, killing another person in revenge. That's murder. But then in addition to the cases of homicide, murder, as we commonly define it, and, and the varying degrees thereof, such as manslaughter and, and uh, the, 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 the case laws of ancient Israel actually address, you know, different situations and the punishments that would follow. Well, there, there are other various ways in which human life may be unjustly taken. We know this, such as abortion, infanticide, euthanasia, and in some cases, suicide. Now, suicide is a sensitive subject. You might be surprised that our catechisms refer to suicide with regard to the Sixth Commandment. And that is the historic Christian teaching, that suicide is a violation of the Sixth Commandment. But let me just say quickly that that has to do with suicide in the case of individuals who are of sound mind, whose rational faculties are functioning clearly, properly, who consciously, rationally, premeditatively, and deliberately take their own lives by an act of their own will, not being overcome in the moment by mental illness or horrible clinical depression which does afflict true Christian believers or uh, medically, pharmaceutically, accidentally induced psychosis. That's a reality in our day. You've heard the warnings about certain pharmaceutical drugs, you know, on, you know, side effects. It's like, ooh, I don't want that. Seriously. But, but, here's the point. When a person rationally rejects God's promise of forgiveness in Christ, despairs of all hope, rejects the gospel, 
refuses to believe that God could or would help him or her out of the pit, is unwilling to face the consequences of previous crimes or sins or personal failures or shame, or simply chooses to end his or her life according to personal preference by doctor-assisted suicide, which is more and more on the horizon, such and self-inflicted deaths violate the sixth commandment. Remember, God's commands are good, and they're for our good. And God wants us to take good care of ourselves as well as of our neighbor. It's a blessing that God speaks with reference to ourselves, you shall not murder. Now, the most egregious violation of the sixth commandment today, I say most egregious because it is declared to be a right, which means that evil is being called good, that's why I say it's the most egregious, is the abomination of abortion, which has now been expanded to infanticide. You know, when we're talking about birth canal abortion, <laughs> it's no longer a question about when does life begin, right? You understand that. And by the way, we all know when life begins. That is not a scientific mystery, no matter what you hear on the campaign trail or on the television talk shows. And we know that when that life begins, that it is a unique and distinct human life, and it cannot possibly be anything else. And so we've come to the day now in 21st century America when everybody knows that, so that even now the abortion rights advocates have to admit, we know it's a baby, but we demand the right to kill it, even in the birth canal or even after it's been delivered. Our right to choose supersedes the right to life of that child. Now, that's where we are today. And if that doesn't horrify you, then maybe you've never thought about what happens in an abortion or what it would look like. If it doesn't horrify you, it just shows us all how the collective conscience of our nation has been seared on this issue. Pastor Jonathan last Sunday reminded you of the grotesque horror of baby body parts being sold, an atrocity which is not tolerated in veterinary medicine with animal body parts. Now, it's nothing less than barbaric child sacrifice offered at the altar of demonic gods. The ancient cultures mentioned in the Old Testament and other ancient pagan cultures around the world practiced child sacrifice for the sake of economic prosperity, personal enrichment, to appease the forces of nature, it's nothing new. But it is the epitome of human depravity. Now clothed in the cloak of progressive individual liberty. It is an abomination. The shedding of innocent blood 
You and I were knit together in our mother's womb. In the image of God. Let me also say here, I could say, I could say more, but please just let this suffice for now. Whenever an abortion occurs, whenever an abortion occurs, there is always, there is always a man involved. A man who is accountable to the creator of that child. And men are just as guilty I'm not the judge, but maybe more guilty, responsible, and accountable as women for this epidemic abomination in our culture. Now, this is a painful and unsavory subject, but it is the moral dividing line in our nation today. It is an issue on which the Word of God is as clear as clear can be. That's the reason that Pastor Jonathan and I in the session encourage you to do all you can to support our local crisis pregnancy center, life choices, other pro-life ministries. You know, at the deeper level, at the most basic level, it begins with teaching our children and grandchildren the sanctity of sexual union within the bonds of marriage. That's where it begins for us. That's another sermon for another day. And then when we consider murder in terms of its most common meaning, you know, homicide, I, I suppose we've, we've become rather numb to its commonplace occurrence. I mean, it, it happens literally all the time, and that's not funny. It's, it's amazing, though, that the Sixth Commandment is so frequently violated in our society. Maybe it's not so amazing after all. Consider the firstborn human being, the firstborn of the human race, was a murderer. Think about that. Firstborn man killed his own brother. First human brotherhood ended in murder. Cain murdered his brother Abel. That tells us something about our fallen human nature. The Apostle Paul in the letter to the Romans chapter 1 gives us the divine diagnosis of our sinful nature saying that in our fallen condition we have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, and malice. Jesus said, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting. You see, he was simply... Uh, referring to the second tablet of the law. Out of the heart of man comes murder. Murder then is a matter of the heart. And in our fallen nature, corrupted by sin, we all, each one, have within us what it takes to be a murderer. Maybe that's the reason that millions of people invite murder and bloodshed and gore into the family room for prime time entertainment every night. I hope you don't. I trust you don't. 
Our economy pours millions upon millions of dollars into the movie industry to be entertained by gross, gratuitous violence. I mean, do we really love, enjoy murder that much? Maybe we do. Do we allow our children and our, our grandchildren, our youth, to play those dark, demonic video games which reward their brains with positive neurological feedback when they kill their opponent? It's not just a game. It has to do with the disposition and orientation of their little hearts and minds. Killing people in our imagination should never be a form of entertainment or fun. It is an offense to the Creator who made man male and female in His own image. Murder is a matter of the heart. It's a spiritual issue. Whether we have ever committed literal murder or not, God looks upon our heart and the law of God judges the heart and the mind. If you think, do you think, do you think, I mean, how are you doing with the sixth commandment? Doing pretty good? Have you kept the sixth commandment? Do you think you're completely... You've completely kept it, completely innocent with regard to the sixth commandment. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, To those of old you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus applies the sixth commandment to our hearts internally, spiritually. Jesus teaches us that the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, applies to His disciples in ways far beyond the letter of the law. For Christians, obeying the sixth commandment means obeying the spirit of the law, repenting of and doing away with anger toward one another. Of course, the emotion of anger may flash in the moment, but we must not let it take hold of our hearts and minds. Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Jesus said, by the way, that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. Don't give him an opportunity. The passage in Ephesians 4 continues by saying, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Get rid of it. Now these passages and others teach us that in terms of true Christian discipleship, murder is a matter of the heart. Now, of course, of course, of course, this does not mean then anger in your heart is as bad as literal murder. That would be absurd. But Jesus' point is clear. Malice in your heart toward another person, an unwillingness to be reconciled to another person, an unwillingness to forgive, to nurse resentment, to maintain and cultivate a bitter spirit toward your neighbor, to think evil thoughts and wish that person ill is a violation of the sixth commandment. You haven't kept the sixth commandment 
really, truly, fully, completely, merely by refraining from homicide. Have you ever wished that someone would just go away? As in forever. As in drop dead. What are you say what am I saying when I say, you know what, it wouldn't matter to me if I never saw him again in my life? Hmm. Looks can kill and words can kill. That is, kill relationships by the spirit of murder. And Jesus said, whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus said that. Not some Bible-thumping backwoods preacher. So, if you've ever violated the sixth commandment, whether the letter or the spirit of the law, as have I, you need a sinless, substitutionary, sacrificial Savior. A Savior. To save you from the wrath of God poured out on you in hell. I need that Savior. And God, in His love and mercy, has provided that Savior. Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave Himself up for us. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus' death on the cross was a voluntary act of self-sacrifice. Ephesians 5 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. But, at the same time, at the same time, it is equally true, it is equally true in the words of the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost when he declared that Jesus was, quote, crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. In other words, Jesus was murdered. If ever there was the shedding of innocent blood, that blood was shed on the cross. If ever there were the shedding of innocent blood, that innocent blood was shed on the cross. 
If ever there were a violation of the sixth commandment, that violation took place in the crucifixion of Jesus. But here is the wonder of the gospel. Jesus was murdered so that murderers such as you and I could be forgiven. You and I and any other murderer on death row who turns to Him in true repentance and faith. Here is the wonder of the gospel. By the shedding of His innocent blood at the hands of murderers, you and I, by this horrible deed of human injustice, divine justice was satisfied. Divine wrath was appeased. Divine mercy was poured out. And out of this most unjust taking of life came the gift of life eternal for all who trust in Christ. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, prayed David in Psalm 51. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, through the blood, the innocent blood of Jesus Christ shed for me. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we rejoice in the glorious gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his substitutionary sacrifice for all our sins that we might not perish but have life everlasting. Grant us, O God, by the power of your Spirit to turn more fully and freely toward life in Christ and follow him for the glory of your name. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith. So we say together the Apostles' Creed. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit.